Welcome to Comms Day Live. I'm Graham Lynch. Now, today we're going to be talking about sport. It is final season in the AFL and the NRL, and, and quite appropriately, um, some rights announcements came out this week, and, and we, we learned quite a bit about the tech side of it. Um, we'll be talking about that with Simon Ducks in a second. And also later, we'll be talking with Rowan Pierce um, about uh, some interesting arguments that Free TV. The lobby group for free TV broadcasters has been mounting on public interest and benefits um, vis-a-vis what it sees as the deficient national broadband network. But first up, sport, as I mentioned. Um, this week, uh, um, the NRL uh, had a big launch for its finals around the top eight for, for, the, for the year. Go Roosters. And um, Simon Ducks. Um, went along to the launch at the George Street headquarters of Telstra in Sydney and uh, had a chat with Michael Ackland, the chief financial officer of Telstra, about what Telstra is up to with the NRL. Let's have a listen to what Simon and Michael talked about. We continue to uh, run the, the NRL app and all the, that, all the digital sort of engagement, yep. but we're also putting forward, a, as part of the sponsorship deal, an innovation fund. Okay. And so that's to for us to invest in innovation around fan, fan engagement gotcha. and the ways in which we can engage fans in different ways. So um, whether that's, you know, expanding into, you know, AR, VR kind of solutions or other fan engagement in stadium, at home, you know, we think there's a huge opportunity to use sport as a way to, uh, well, one, league fans are really engaged yeah. and connected yeah. uh, and... Um, and we think this is a great, great opportunity for us to work with them to create new and unique experiences to help engage fans. So, so we've made that part of the the whole uh, the whole agreement. Yeah, yeah. Envelope. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you guys are tied up with the uh, 5G Future Forum. So obviously, yeah. I guess you got Verizon linkages there with the Instadia we do, yeah. connectivity yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, Instadia 5G is is super interesting. We, I mean, it's not. NRL, but we have with Marvel. Yeah. Uh, uh, done the work with Marvel and Accenture and Google around, you know, wayfinding and other different in-stadium solutions. So I think we'll see more in-stadium investments, yep. and it's one, it's a great use case for for, for for consumer 5G right off the bat, right? Because if you're, we all know that experience of trying to upload a photo at the footy or when everyone's doing it and, and you don't get it. Yep. Um, so 5G gives us that ability to have so much more capacity. Uh, in those locations, so Very stadiums nice. and yeah, I mean, I, I, I you know, there, there's a, there's a, there's a great set of consumer use cases for 5G around, you know, uh, airports, stadiums, like entertainment precincts, all those times where you're going to have congested use, big concentration, yeah, it's a great opportunity. So. Gotcha. And uh, looking back at uh, Telstra's results, and I know you've changed jobs. Yes. But talking on the consumer specifically, yes. um, the mobile results were great. Yes. There was talk about the fact that you want to boost your fixed hours and look at the extra bundle of you know what you produce on the back of that. How important is rugby fitting into that bundle? Uh, obviously, you've got the KO uh, yeah. stuff as well, but how do you see that going forward? Because I know the week before Vantage, you guys had a week-long product internal meeting as well, so yeah. I'm sure you've got some uh, roadmaps coming out the back of that. Yeah, so, I mean, a couple of ways in which I, I sort of think about the, the NRL agreement planning that. One, one is, you know, um, the unique access we have to Australian sport 
and the way that that and the way Australian sports uh, connect with Australian communities is just an incredibly important part of our brand and one that we, you know, with the NRL we're, we're extending and we want to make sure that we continue to be part of that. Um, obviously, we have uh, our, our partnership and um, interest in Foxtel and therefore KO and KO again is um, uh, has those commitments to Australian sport and the opportunity for us to make those available for um, Telstra customers to make it part of our value proposition. Um, you know, is is incredibly important. But 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 I don't walk past the fact that you know one of the big. We just think it's very important as Australia's largest telecommunication company to be part of connecting communities, mm. right? And to have part of that connecting community and access to sport, access to um, not not just not just being able to watch it, but yes. supporting that grassroots through to the elite. Being part of those communities is really important because one of the other big things that we've um, uh, you know, announced over the last few months as we've brought our call centres back to Australia, our stores back on shore is our connected community program, and these sports partnerships, particularly the NRL, are super important to that. Quite key on yeah, the back yeah, of that. Really key on that. So, yes, there'll be some things that we can, you know, package in and be part of bundles and that can support ARPU, but as important is is the role it plays in in our brand and us being part of those communities, so we can help solve their. Their, their problems and be present and all of those things that are so important. Understood. Yeah. And uh, given the fact that Foxtel, uh, with their results, they now are pretty much saying they're going to go and chase more sports rights. You guys don't need to do that, even though you have the ownership now. Uh, we're not going to see you moving in that direction at all? Well, look, we love our partnership with Foxtel and I think Foxtel are playing, have done a fantastic job there. I think the transformation you've seen in their results from you know, heavily broadcast dependent to now streaming dependent and the role we've played in, in driving those streaming subs is something where we're really proud of supporting Bing, supporting KO, supporting Flash uh, uh, now as part of that. And so um, having that interest in Foxtel and their, their work in, in sports rights is just is crucial. So that's Michael Wacklin speaking with our Simon Ducks and joining me in the studio, Simon. Hi, Simon. Hi there, Graham. How important is this partnership um, between NRO and Telstra, specifically for Telstra? Yeah, Graham, uh, it was uh, quite an event uh, because uh, they uh, had 100 fans in there as well. Uh, so uh, from uh, my point of view, it was a bit of a uh, baptism again, being a round ball expert. It's the first time I've actually uh, uh, looked at the oval ball for quite a long time. I think uh, Ray Price was captain of the Eels the last time I looked at uh, rugby league uh, before moving to the UK. So uh, really good event uh, for Telstra. Uh, as uh, Michael pointed out, there are a couple of key things that they've got going there. Uh, they're really keen on this community innovation and uh, building communities. So I think when they build this innovation fund, uh, they'll take some lessons uh, from what they're already doing, as he mentioned, uh, at Marvel Stadium. Uh, but I think you're going to see a little bit more there over and above just the subscriber packages, which, uh, as we talked about in that interview, that are doing really well with KO. Yeah, it's interesting also he, he mentioned the stadium experience. And, and by happenstance, you, you had another story in Comms Day this week regarding Focus, who were talking about um, the gigabit packages that they offer out there in the marketplace. And specifically, they cited um, what they do of stadiums, where they're offering gigabit services bursting to five gigabits. And it's 
from a, from Telstra's point of view, it's a virtuous circle, isn't it? This these sorts of deals, you supply the the backhaul, the bandwidth to the stadium, you get involved in that side of it, but at the same time, you you reap the reward of all those people using your services to Instagram up photos of the game and so on. It's 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 a really sort of strong kind of a complete cycle <laughs> of telecommunications, isn't it? Very much the virtuous cycle, and. Uh... Uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, in addition to the big pipes that Vocus was talking about, you only have to look at uh, the MM Wave um, applications that are going to go in to densify a lot of the traffic in these stadia. Uh, we mentioned on that uh, interview with Michael about the 5G Future Forum. Verizon is known as a global leader in some of this in stadia experience. So there's a really nice segue uh, that Telstra can work uh, closely and uh, share learnings around, uh, as we talked about, the particular wayfinding app. So it gets you uh, to find your seat. Uh, uh, there's augmented reality, virtual reality applications uh, that will just add to the fan experience. So we're not literally just talking about going 4K, 8K, 4K, 8K. It's not just about that. There's a lot of extra experiential um, applications that we're going to see develop on the back of all of this. Now, as, as they say in the classics, too much sport is never enough. And, and that was certainly the case for you this week, Simon, because the, just the day after this NRL announcement, Tilstra also uh, and, and, and Foxtel had a big announcement to make with the Australian Football League out of Melbourne. Tell us all about it. Yes, absolutely. Off to the other oval uh, sporting game. And uh, uh, my claim to fame was that uh, when I left the country, it was still called Footscray rather than the Western Bulldogs. So... Uh, <laughs> on that side, things have changed a little bit. But this was a really interesting uh, deal, quite a, a big one too. You're looking at 4.5 billion seven-year broadcast deal with uh, Foxtel Channel 7. And, uh, you know, when you look at the amount of investment uh, for the AFL, Telstra was uh, the partner coming in on uh, the uh, streaming innovation and in-stadia fan experience side. But this was a significant package and uh, outgoing uh, AFL chief uh, executive uh, Gillan McLaughlin was uh, keen to talk up how much, again, this is going to be contributing to the wider AFL uh, community. Uh, we've, we've already mentioned about Marvel Stadium and the work that Telstra's been doing there. We're going to see some uh, more interesting stuff that, that uh, Telstra will push there. They've also got... Uh, a lot of interactive experiences that they're going to be developing on the AFL and AFLW uh, apps uh, for, and all the 18 club uh, websites as well. And uh, on uh, the interesting uh, thing that came out of that was the fact that uh, Foxtel was mentioning that 47% of live AFL is streamed. Uh, so, you know, this stuff is really, really going to grow. And Kim Crow Anderson uh, from Telstra was pointing how important the uh, relationship with streaming partner KO was and this wider AFL uh, deal will be, again, in building these communities and then building on the innovation to roll out some of these uh, interesting apps on the back of that. It, it's interesting, and overall, I, I find this quite fascinating because it, it shows again um, the, the value of Telstra's shareholding in Foxtel to mine. You know, Foxtel, well, everyone likes to think of Foxtel as a sort of declining legacy cable TV company, and you know, and, and maybe in some respects that's true in terms of the real premium subscriptions that it's attracted over the years, the hundred buck a month tight customers. It's losing those, but. 
Voxtel is adapting really, really well to the streaming age with Binge and, and KO, and this plays right into the proposition of KO, um, which, of course, is a, a budget way to access Voxtel content compared to the traditional medium. And of course, Telstra's right in there with all this tele, the telecommunication side of it. Partnering on that, it, it's not central to to the things that will be announced this week. You know, obviously that's all about the TV rights and so on and, and, and who gets to broadcast what and, and so forth. But Telstra's there all the way backing up. And, and the, probably the important thing is that they're getting benefits that other telcos aren't because they're not in the room when these things are happening. I feel that's a really important thing in the marketplace. You know, as important, if not much more important, than these structural issues around things like USO and you know all the, all the sort of arguments we make about Telstra's um, dominance resulting from its previous status as a monopoly telco. I think this stuff is more important in some ways because you're actually engaging with the things that, that millions and millions of Australians are really emotionally involved with on a week-to-week basis. What, what do you think, Simon? Yeah, I think that's a great point, Graham. What we have to remember with the deal, for example, with the AFL is that we're looking at a seven-year deal. So that is a really long-term partnership, and that gives you plenty of scope to actually build up momentum, build audiences, and build these communities. And the other thing uh, uh, to look at, there are two different approaches there for the telcos on how they play this. Obviously, Optus is uh, taking a different path, looking at uh, actually investing in sports rights. But for Telstra's point of view, with these particular uh, two announcements, Realistically, uh, it gives them a little bit of uh, managing their own risk because they're not out there having to uh, pay premiums potentially for uh, buying up sports rights, and yet they're going to be right in the thick of both uh, what I guess arguably are the two most popular winter sports in in the country. Yeah, and that, that's 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 key to it, isn't it? That you're talking about the two sports that you know far and away. Get the majority mind share and eyeballs, or you know, and, and I, I don't, I don't want to um, diminish what Optus does. They do a fantastic job with their sports channel and with their football rights. But in fact, I think it was uh, you were saying around the uh, decisive publishing water cooler the other day, Simon. That um, you know, at the end of the day, Premier League is on at one o'clock in the morning, and it, it, there are there are limits to the audiences you can attract with sports that are mainly played. Um, in the northern hemisphere around the Greenwich Mean Line. I mean, it's, it's, it's as simple as that. You know, you, you, you're not going to get the audiences. And there's, it doesn't leave a lot else apart from cricket, really, you know, as, as a mass market sport. So so definitely this, this has an enormous advantage to Telstra, I think, in, in, in the race for mindshare and eyeballs and ultimately affection and loyalty. Any, any uh, final comments, Simon? I'm uh, just going to add the fact that you can always spot the uh, football fans because they're the ones with the black ringed eyes watching after sitting up all night for the football. <laughs> Indeed. Now, I, un- I understand that uh, at the Telstra press conference, you became an honorary cowboy. Tell us all about that. I did indeed, uh, as they had the fans there. Uh, I was uh, sh- shepherded into the room and uh, having a chat with some of the fans there, uh, I was asked which team I was with and I tried to up my journalistic impartiality but was immediately adopted by the Cowboys fam uh, much to the delight of some of our Queensland based uh, telcos as well yeah well so if you're if you're out there listening to this podcast and you're a Cowboys fan good luck you've, you've got solidarity with the chief editor of comms day but um, I must say you do not have my support um, I wish you well but 
not that well. <laughs> Thanks very much for joining us, Simon. That's fine. Thanks again, Graeme. So, moving on, um, we're joined by the executive editor of Comms Day, Mr. Rowan Pierce. Welcome, Rowan. Hey, Graham. That really sounds like a, I, it's kind of like I'm entering the ring or something with that intro. Two men enter, one man leaves. Yes, indeed. Um, now, segueing from what we were just talking about with Simon, uh, all about the um, the very interesting things that Telstra is doing in the sports space. Of course, that all involves the interplay between subscription TV and free-to-air TV. And as we know in the sports space, there's a bipartisan public policy commitment to keep sport, or as much sport as possible, on free-to-air TV. And consequently, um, the free-to-air television industry is uh, can be very loud about a lot of these topics sometimes in terms of the public benefits of, of free-to-air TV versus subscription TV, which, of course, uh, puts – they don't actually say this, but they come close to it – puts the hand of Rupert Murdoch literally in your pocket. So there's always been big, big debates about Foxtel and, and and now other streaming providers locking up rights to things. Now, in the vein of that, um, free, free to Air TV Australia – Free TV Australia, pardon me, which is the lobby group representing the um, – TV broadcasters put out a very, very interesting report this week. Tell us all about it, Rowan. Yeah, it's quite interesting because actually, as you mentioned, like with the kind of sports anti-siphoning list, it feels like that the, I guess, the TV broadcasters are kind of having fights on multiple fronts at the moment, which really just reflects that the whole industry is at this kind of inflection point, really. So, yeah, this report, it's actually produced by uh, Deloitte, and it's kind of like a, a annual report put out by um, Free TV. And this one focused particularly on, I guess, the ubiquity of uh, broadcast TV versus video on demand, via, like obviously over a broadband connection. So it's, it's basically arguing that, you know, TV broadcasting is still relevant because it can be accessed by approximately 99% of the Australian population. While it kind of argues that uh, video on demand is less accessible, uh, citing the fact that 1.4 million people in Australia don't have internet access. And then on top of that, that 4.1 million don't actually have the kind of data caps or, or quality to um, quality of connection to watch um, video on demand. So it's quite a, quite an interesting argument. Um, I, I had a look, actually, um, the ACCC figures are that 84% of retail NBN services have no um, data limits. It's actually, I mean, it is a very small number of plans out there that are actually capped. I was actually just having a look before I came in here, and it's actually kind of quite hard to find any. I know TPG's got a couple, but they're not really the kind of like mainstream broadband uh, plans. So it's really a bit of a, um, I guess, you know, you you are dealing with a cohort of kind of people, particularly older people in some cases, that won't really be comfortable with using this. I mean, obviously... There are socioeconomic factors as well in terms of who has access to broadband. Um, but, yeah, quite an interesting report. I, I guess the other, the other thing that didn't really uh, the report didn't really delve into, which I thought might be interesting for them to explore, is to what extent people do access uh, video on demand over mobile connections because, obviously, that's a rising kind of trend that we've seen as well. But, yeah, I, I think it's this kind of, um, like, 
obviously the TV industry, you have the anti-siphoning stuff and then you have also at the same time this kind of argument they're having around a second digital dividend and potentially giving up spectrum to um, the mobile industry in exchange for um, tax relief. And then at the same time, the other the other issue is like the visibility of like free-to-air services um, on connected TVs. So it's kind of, it's a very interesting juncture for the industry. And actually the, the other thing that really struck me just having gone through a results um, season is just the kind of like surge that we're seeing among traditional broadcasters in terms of um, uh, BVOD, which is just increasing like number of hours of BVOD watched in Australia are just like going through the roof, but also actually starting to see some real movement on the kind of revenue side as well. So it's definitely an interesting juncture for the industry. Yeah, that's a good point there. And, and that, that's where it, um, the arguments around you know, preserving the privileges or rights of, of the free TV broadcasters over things like Spectrum vis-a-vis um, um, other competing uses for that Spectrum become interesting because because it is blurry, isn't it? You know, the, the, these free-to-air broadcasters increasingly, their, their future is online. Um, just as much as it is for the, the pure play streaming providers and 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 the, the main legacy pay TV TV provider Foxtel, so there there, are, there is some very blurry definitions there. I was just very interested in your comments there, Rowan, regarding um, mobile usage to watch streaming video. Um, and you know, there's the odd report here or there which you know shows that it's the favoured medium for young people to watch video and. I've seen something else which suggests that it's the main way people um, consume YouTube videos over their mobiles and not so much their um, living room TVs, which makes sense if you think about it. Um, but it, it it does interest me because we don't really know a lot about this sort of, let's call them the sort of bottom 20% cohort, people who don't appear to be connected to the NBN. And we know, we know that's 20 to 30% of the population. They're not connected to the NBN. We know some of them just don't use the internet at all, but we, we, you know, as you say, the elderly or, or perhaps those who are anti-modernity and you know, for whatever reasons, don't don't, don't want their their minds polluted by the the filth that's um permeates <laughs> online discourse these days. But there is a big cohort who are using mobile as their predominant way to interact with the internet. I think that's actually key, not just to this specific uh, debate over you know how important free TV and its right to access spectrum is, but sort of broader issues around universal access and universal service and about digital inclusion. What, what do you think, Rowan? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, yeah, because looking, looking even beyond video, like we also have this kind of discussion at the moment around what's the future for universal service obligations and that kind of thing, um, where particularly people like are obviously abandoning um, landlines altogether in terms of like a, a medium they used to communicate. I think actually um, from from memory, I think the Department of Communications actually had a bit of research recently that did have some data in terms of like you know usage of um, usage of smartphones to watch kind of streaming video and stuff. But I mean, I guess I guess actually from memory, like and I don't have the figures there, but then from memory, it was still like connected TVs were the real kind of like surging category as well, which I think probably reflects that increased BVOD usage. But yeah, I mean, obviously like in terms of like mobile data caps and mobile data usage have obviously both surged in the last couple of years. So it's increasingly popular. I mean, 
within a household as well, I guess you do have a situation there where a lot of those devices still rely on Wi-Fi and still ultimately rely on a fixed connection to. Yeah, and, and I guess a related argument, maybe this is important or maybe it isn't. It's just, it's just really about reliability, I guess, and, and uptime for services. Um, when, when you have a broadcaster sending out a TV signal to many millions, um, it would seem to be a little more guaranteed of getting there assuming you don't have a point of failure at the broadcast source, then, then over the internet, which has best efforts and, and can be very erratic, you know, in, in terms of buffering for some people and, um, you know, in terms of availability outages, planned outages and unplanned outages. You know, the NBN, of course, draws the distinction between these things. And it just feels to me that there is a place for both in, in the future. Or, or, or will free-to-air TV just wither and die? What do you think, Rowan? I mean, I... <laughs> Maybe. I, I I think I'll kind of land on the side that it probably will wither and die at some point, but it's not going to be for a good long while. I mean, leaving aside, like, you know, more immediate questions about, like, you know, uh, obviously we're probably going to see a shift over the next um, half decade in terms of broadcasting get more, getting more efficient and kind of change over in, like, Australia's TV fleet to be able to take advantage of more modern technologies. But the reality is I think for most people you're starting to get this... Um, this delineation between like broadcast TV and IP TV getting kind of like erased. Like I just, just, I mean, this is from my personal experience at home where it's not entirely clear most of the time whether we're getting a signal from the antenna or whether it's just like it's basically coming over our broadband connection. But I, I think, yeah, I mean, it's kind of obviously something's got to be carefully managed. I don't think it's on the short term horizon, but I just, I just don't know if there's going to be. To me, at least, there is a question mark about like when, how long does TV, broadcast TV last? I mean, we're talking, we're talking decades and decades still, but it's at a certain point, I just, I, I can't see it really. And, and of course, um, <laughs> always, always in the background is the reality that there is um, a very powerful telecommunications lobby which covets that spectrum. <laughs> it's currently used for broadcast, and and they they will not miss an opportunity. Um, to be commentating on, on on the reducing usage and what they will argue is inefficient, increasingly inefficient usage of that spectrum and how they can use it much more efficiently for all those wonderful 6G and 7G applications that they will be bringing to market over that time frame that you're suggesting, Rowan. Rowan, once again, thank you very much for joining us. Cheers, Graham. That's it for Comms Day Live this week. See you next time.